Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Beautiful people, happy, happy, good day. Uh, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and today we have a gentleman in the studio. We have a great guest today who is actually going to talk to us and teach us a bit about the kid space. Uh, this gentleman is the co-founder and CEO of Battery Pop, which is an award-winning digital video network and marketing solution exclusively for kids. Uh, He's a veteran of the children's media space. He launched uh, Battery Pop after 12 years as head writer and senior on-air promotions producer at Nickelodeon, uh, crafting content for today's rapidly evolving 4- to 11-year-old audience. Uh, He's a Princeton University graduate, a 2013 SLP, which is the Startup Leadership uh, Program Fellow, and he's the still cool father of two kids of his own, uh, Harper who is eight, and Dylan, who is four. Uh, beautiful people, please welcome uh, Mr. Greg Alkali, who uh, is an amazing uh, gentleman. Greg, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. This is this is awesome. It's nice to be in a radio studio. Um, <laughs> you should probably let your listeners know that I wrote the part about being still cool, uh, <laughs> but I'll try to prove it. <laughs> I love it. So, Greg, uh, just real quick, you know, I'm Super excited about you and what you're doing, you know, to protect the youth and make sure that they're not getting uh, bogged down with uh, a lot of content that they shouldn't be seeing. Um, You're the CEO and the founder of Battery Pop. Can you please explain to us what Battery Pop uh, is a bit more in depth and how exactly it works? Because I know there's some cool features where the kids are actually in control of the content. Right. So, yeah, please uh, tell us more about it. Yeah, we're we're a lot of things at once. Um, At the very core, uh, Battery Pop is a digital network for kids video. Uh, we've gone out and curated hours upon hours of short-form video content, animation, live-action, puppet series, across the board from a really wide variety, an interesting variety of content providers. Uh, some of them are established content creators. Some of them are up-and-coming. Some, this is the first thing they ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, we've curated that content. We host it on our own website, batterypop.com, uh, and on the Battery Pop app. And then we also turn around, and I can get into later why we do it this way, mm-hmm. we syndicate it out to other kids' websites and apps. There's mm-hmm. a huge demand for video content. Uh, we've got this library, so we have a video player that will run on other partners, mm-hmm. and we will give them this video content. On top of that, we're monetizing this content. That's why we're still here today. We're able to drive revenues for really everybody who's, con- all of our partners, everyone that's connected with us. So while we're running these videos, we'll also do a ad campaign for some of the top kids' brands, and we will run 15 and 30 second pre-roll ads in front of the video, all kids safe. Uh, we'll also help monetize our web partners and our app partners with their banner space. Uh, again, always providing kids safe, COPA compliant advertising mm-hmm. so that the content creator has a revenue source. The publisher, whether it's the website, the app, or the video, video on demand network, has a revenue source. Uh, and you know, we sit in the middle and we try to facilitate great content getting in front of kids wherever they are. Mm. Uh, that sounds amazing. I, and I see, you know, with a lot of different networks and people who are content producers, they're really struggling to uh, monetize their content. Can you give us any of the strategies that you all are using over at Battery Pop uh, in order to make sure that you do have money coming in so that you can keep the doors open? You know, for those of the listeners, you know, the Create Your Life series who, mm-hmm. you know, are looking to solve this huge problem that seems to be, you know, uh, eluding them. Right. It's it's. It's tricky to find revenue sources in the kids' space. It's really kind of coalesced, or it has been, mm-hmm. in uh, television, Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. Cartoon Network, Disney, uh, and then YouTube grabs a huge chunk of these revenues. 
Um, but my partner, who joined up about four years ago now, had great relationships with a lot of the agencies that represent the top kids, kids brands, Nintendo, Mattel, Hasbro, mm -hmm. General Mills. Mm -hmm. um, they're desperate to advertise in a safe way to the digital kids audience. And they're, they're a moving target. Mm -hmm. It's not so easy to track down where kids are. So right. um, by building out our network, by connecting with publishers who have audiences, we can help the brands reach the kids, mm -hmm. and we can help the brands do so responsibly. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the brands are happy to work with us. We are making sure that if you have a 15-second ad for Cinnamon Toast Crunch, that we're going to be placing that where kids are, where kids are engaging, and where you're not going to let it bleed into something inappropriate. You're not going to have that ad run with something that's made, meant for adults. Mm -hmm. um, on top of that, we I, I come from a production background at Nickelodeon. We did a lot of custom creative. You know, I had the yeah. resources of, of Viacom behind me at the time. Mm -hmm. But so when we pitch a brand, we also can bring them custom creative. We can help them create new content mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't feel as much like a commercial. And we can create something original that allows the brand to see, uh, connect with the kids eye to eye. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really the key thing in kids' content is are you connecting at eye level or are you talking down to a kid? And we're good at that eye, eye level. Right. Um, I get what it means to be a kid. I get what kids are watching. And so we can create content that fits that. So by creating original content, mm -hmm. that's good for kids. And yeah. then bringing that content to our partners, we kind of open up those pipes so that our we have a flow of battery pop material going wherever kids are. The brands know that we're doing it in a responsible way. They want to spend that money somewhere, and so we become that partner. So I guess the, the biggest question that's running through my head right now is you have two children, mm -hmm. uh, one eight, one four, they, who are your target market. How much help or influence do they have on the content that you're like, yeah, that's a go, no, that's not a go? Like, how does that work? You know, when I was coming <laughs> up at Nickelodeon, one of the things that drove me crazy is I'd be in a meeting and there would, an executive would say, oh, my kids loved so-and-so. And I would always think, well, yeah, but they know you work at Nickelodeon. They're going to give you the answer that you want. Mm -hmm. Your own kids are a great kind of test case initially, but they're also very aware of who you are and what you're doing. You mm. know, I watch a lot of cartoons on my computer when, I'm, when I work from home, mm -hmm. uh, which I do several days a week. And, you know, my son will barge in. He'll see something on the screen that looks animated, and he'll just start climbing all over me wanting to watch it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm like, okay, dude, like, this is work. Daddy, that's not work. Um, <laughs> they they love seeing what we've got to offer, and they're yeah. very quick to say this is boring. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to see this anymore. Go back to that other thing. So they're they're really a good kind of first level of of testing content. Mm -hmm. I don't run everything by them just because there's too much. And right, right. You know, I do uh, ironically, or you know, we can discuss this, but I also kind of want to limit their screen time. I don't want them addicted to the screen, mm. but. Um, you know, they, there's no filter when it comes to kids. They will tell you something is good or something is really not good. And, you know, if they ask you if they could watch it five times in a row, you know, you've got a great piece of content. Mm. And if they're kind of glazing over halfway through, you're like, all right, this is not going to work. Now we don't really turn down if it's well produced and it is kid appropriate. We'll generally include it on the platform, right. whether it will then get syndicated will depend on the kids like it. So yeah, my kids, my own kids can be that first line of defense against uh. a not as professionally produced or just not enjoyable piece of content. Right, so your kids are secretly calling shots. <laughs> <laughs> but not getting paid for it, so it's yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so that being said, you know, there's different levels and of course you have to guard against what's going on um, in terms of what makes it onto the platform, what gets syndicated mm -hmm. and things like that. What is your take on the industry as a whole? I know that, um, you know, we were talking earlier, you talked about how sometimes some people are thinking pitch first and not enough attention is being focused on the digital space. So what is your uh, take on where the industry is and where things need to go uh, in terms of kids content? So I just got back from a conference called Kids Screen in Miami. Okay. And uh, it was probably more well attended than I've seen in years. It was just a ton of people there from all around the world, all in the kids space. Mm -hmm. But I'm still seeing a lot of emphasis on kind of old school creative that we've seen a million times, a slight tweak on, oh, it's SpongeBob, but it stars in orange instead of a sponge. So I'm getting a lot of that kind of, we've seen this before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe you get a couple kids to watch it, but it doesn't feel fresh. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's also a lot of focus on broadcast deals because there's still a lot of money in television. Mm -hmm. But with the audience so spread out over digital right now, I feel like the industry is... is uh, afraid to go that route because there's so much uncertainty. It used to be very simple. If you get a show on Nick, if you get a show on Cartoon Network, mm -hmm. you're done, you've got it. 
And if that if the network ran that program right after SpongeBob, boom, you're gonna get ratings, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. But now that the audience is fragmented like it has, the the creators of kids content are scrambling to figure out how do we create that next SpongeBob? Where is it gonna come from? How are we gonna connect it with kids? And there's a panic, I think. Mm -hmm. um, the audience is calling the shots for the first time, I think, in history, really. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ratings are, are important, but now we're, the ratings mean a lot more when it's, it's actually chasing after human beings and not this right. odd calculation. Mm -hmm. So if the kids want to watch videos over here, you better have your videos over here. And if the kids are not paying attention to your linear broadcast on channel whatever... Mm -hmm. uh, then you've got to figure out w either what you're going to do over there to make them want to pay attention or where can you go that they are paying attention. Uh, that's why you've seen co the content that you've seen grow on platforms like YouTube are not what a television network could ever do. And a lot of it came from the fact that the creators themselves have become uh, the celebrities and they're calling the shots because the audience has gone over to YouTube where you have that autonomous control mm -hmm. over what you're watching. So I'm seeing the industry kind of freak out a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, some of the players are starting to figure some of it out. Um, but then, you know, we see YouTube, who's built something kind of interesting and big in YouTube Kids, but they don't really necessarily know how to harness what they've built over there. You still get sketchy content slipping through the right. filters. Um, yeah, you the know, comment sections. Yeah, well, like the, that, yeah, well, YouTube Kids, there's no comments. In mm -hmm, YouTube mm -hmm. proper, there is some really awful stuff being yeah, said. Yeah. So that's not a good place for kids. But kids are going there. Mm -hmm. um, with YouTube Kids, are still it's algorithmically curated, so mm -hmm. you don't have human eyeballs, and that's I think one of our value propositions that you don't have human eyeballs deciding what goes where. It's getting done through math, mm -hmm. and when it comes to kids' content, I think you need a kid. You need a yeah. Mm -hmm. You need a human being to be a part of that process. Mm. So I'm seeing a little bit of panic. Um, some people willing to innovate. Mm -hmm. um, some people kind of being dragged towards innovation, kicking and screaming. Right. And some that just aren't going to get there, and they're going to keep doing what they do because there's, you know, it's not like television's gone. It's not like the international market has withered away. There's still opportunity, but the audience has decided that they want to be elsewhere, and it's those businesses and those creators that understand the new kid um, that I think are going to have success for this next phase of whatever it is in, in kids' media. Tell me, uh, what are some of the other uh, differentiating factors, uh, things that separate um, Battery Pop from other places like uh, YouTube or, or Nickelodeon um, and, and other networks? What are well, some of you guys? Uh, I, I, I have to have to split them up a little bit because uh, when okay. it comes to the television networks like Nickelodeon, mm -hmm. uh, there's a very archaic process to mm -hmm. get content in front of a kid right and you know wizards may be the big thing and so nickelodeon wants to develop a wizard show so they go through their you know they, they solicit pitches and they work with certain content creators and they go through a pilot process and a development process and by the time they get that wizard series on air it's a year and a half two years later and kids want ninjas so right. it's, it's, it's an expensive and sluggish and not really fair to the up-and-coming creator mm -hmm. process. Mm -hmm. um, whereas in digital, we can be nimble. We can, we can really go after what's trending. Mm -hmm. And if wizard content is popular right now, then we can, bring, we can go find and bring kids wizards. If they want ninjas, we'll find ninjas. And mm -hmm. if we don't have it, we can always connect with a content creator that we trust and say, hey, let's just do something about ninjas so that we are connecting with that what's popular right now. Like slime videos are big right now. So we went and just sourced a bunch of slime videos. Nick is not gonna knock down a half hour of programming time to mm -hmm. insert slime videos, but right. we can do that. Uh, when it comes to YouTube, um, it's, it's a very powerful platform and kids are all over it, mm -hmm. but it's messy. It's really messy. I mean, A, there's just so much. How do you sort through what's good and what's bad? Mm -hmm. uh, it's easy, and they're getting better about handling this, but it's easy to game the platform. Mm -hmm. So I could have something completely inappropriate for kids, but I could have it starring uh, Elsa from Frozen and Spider-Man, mm -hmm. and I can tag it as kids content, and it may slip through the filters and end up in front of a kid because, hey, there's Elsa from Frozen, there's Spider-Man. Kids are gonna love this. Oh, but they're not doing something that a kid should be seeing. Well, how is the system going to figure that out? So right. everything on Battery Pop is is curated. Um, we don't have an endless supply of content. We've chosen things that we think are going to work mm -hmm. for kids, and we've watched every second of it. So we know that there's no inappropriate language. Uh, the violence is limited to acceptable in today's society cartoon violence. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, would something like what Looney Tunes used to do work today? I don't know. I'd have to, you know, case by case. Um, but we're not so massive that we, you know, that, that something is going to slip through the cracks. Everything is getting looked at. Mm, I love it. Um, speaking of, you know, you were at Nickelodeon, chose to leave Nickelodeon. What was that defining moment or that one thing that happened that made you say, hey, you know what? I'm done here. I'm going to go ahead and transition. Because at the time, you were actually, you had one of your children was born, mm -hmm. uh, newly married. Uh, and, I mean, what made you take this leap and just say, hey, I'm out? Yeah, stupidity. Um, <laughs> no, you know, it wasn't one thing. I'd been at Nick for 12 years, and yeah. I really loved it. Mm -hmm. But I had been mainly in the promos department. Yeah. And when you're in promos, you are creating 30-second clips to promote somebody else's creative. And I got to the point where I just didn't want to write another promo for a exciting, fascinating, innovative new series that somebody else made. Mm. Like, I, why, why am I, you know, that, that lower tier? And no disrespect to promos producers. There's a lot of creativity that happens there. And honestly, I've worked with some of the most creative people I've ever known in that department. But I got to the point where I'm like, I have to do something for myself. I was terrified of not giving myself the chance to try something bigger. Mm -hmm. and something that I can call my own. So, um, you know, the idea of a digital kids network had crossed my mind, mm -hmm. but I had to be very careful not to get too deep into it because I was still on Viacom's clock. Right. Um, but when I realized that digital was just the way to go and the ratings were falling and there was a panic at Nick because kids weren't watching shows like they used to and they couldn't figure out how to launch another hit, I realized I better make a run at it now mm -hmm. um, when I can do it as myself because eventually Nickelodeon may get there and if I pitch an idea to Nick that they want to go with, it's theirs and I want this to be mine. Mm -hmm. So timing-wise, no, it probably wasn't great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my wife works at Macy's so she had, you know, some stability in her career and, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'd been at Nick for a while so I'd built up enough to say, okay, I could take a little bit of a, a risk here mm -hmm. and uh, I just got to the point like I just did not want to write another promo and mm -hmm. I knew that you know I didn't want my own reputation there to suffer because I was my heart wasn't in it mm -hmm. so I knew I had to go try this and, and the the concept was there like I knew what it, what it should be it's evolved dramatically since mm -hmm. um, but I knew what needed to get made and I knew that Nick wasn't going to do it so I went to my boss and I said look um it's been 12 amazing years but I think my next adventure is going to happen outside the walls of 1515 Broadway. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I, I took that leap. And yeah, it was plenty scary. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm, there's, there's, a, there's this kind of myth of entrepreneurship that you've, you drop everything and you take this, you walk off a cliff and either you land on the next cliff and you keep climbing up or you just fall and you plummet. I had support. You know, I wasn't diving into a total abyss. You mm -hmm. know, I knew that I was going to be okay if I took a run at this. Mm -hmm. And I think that it gave me the confidence to, to leave a very comfortable, fun place mm -hmm. uh, to try something unknown, terrifying, but, you know, more exciting than anything I've ever done. Outside of your wife, who were some of your uh, biggest supporters in you making your transition? Yeah, my, my father and my brother-in-law were, and my sister um, really backed me on this. Mm -hmm. And I, I talked up the concept. They all saw it as a great opportunity. Um, so they got behind me, um, both as far as like emotional support, but also financially, mm. which again, talking about what it means to be an entrepreneur, it's starting a business is a scary and very dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's for everybody. Um, there's nothing wrong with staying at a company that's supporting you and gives you benefits, uh, gives you a place to go every day. Um, I knew that I had a safety net. So mm -hmm. I was able to t take a run at it. Um, I, you know, I, I'm very grateful to them and they continue to support me. My, my whole family is always behind this. They're, you know, the first people I call when something good happens and the first people I call when a disaster happens. Right. Um, but, you know, having that support network is very important. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also launched with a partner um, who is no longer with Battery Pop. Uh, we were both creative and mm -hmm. we realized that we needed somebody more business minded right. on the team. And so eventually he went back to freelancing mm -hmm. and I stayed with it. Uh, but he was part of that support network as well. And on your journey, uh, I know oftentimes, you know, this is another part of entrepreneurship that's not talked about. You go out, you're full time. 
Uh, but, you know, resources may dry up. And so you might have to go back to doing some some writing and things like that. Were you Have you been able to stay consistent with just battery pop on your journey or have you had to take up uh, some jobs on the on the side? And if so, how do you make sure that those jobs don't become you running back into, you know, full time work versus saying, hey, you know what? I decided to take this leap. Let me stick to it. Right. Stay uh, committed. Yeah. Um, early on, I took a couple freelance writing go- uh, jobs mm-hmm. because I was just leveraging relationships that I had at Nickelodeon. I got hired by my old department to write a quick one. Um, I didn't do a ton of that because I didn't want to get distracted, but I definitely went after the, the low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. just to make sure I had some money coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, when my partner came on board, he was, you know, I get cold calls all the time from mm-hmm. businesses, from startups, et cetera, and 99% of them are really, this is obnoxious, but kind of a waste of time. Mm-hmm. and he pitched me on building an ad network on top of our content network, right. and um, we went with it, and then before I know it, we were talking about him partnering with us, and once he came on board, the, the he already had the relationships to build the ad network, so mm-hmm. once he had the revenue flowing in, we were able to pay ourselves, and right. you know, at that point, it wasn't as much as I made at Nick, but it was income, right. and so I was able to... There, was, there were some scary stretches of time when the, the revenues were not coming in, when the income wasn't coming in, mm-hmm. um, where I was wondering, how much longer can I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, but fortunately, once he built the ad network on top of it, and the brands said, oh, this is cool, we want to be a part of this, uh, the revenues came in. So yeah, early on, a few freelance gigs here and there. I was mm-hmm. open to others if they came up, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to get too distracted. And also, it's a, it's a time issue, right. especially with the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they require attention. Right. And you want to. You're the still cool dad. I try to be still cool, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it's um, ha- it, it's finding time to do the freelance stuff. You want to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're kind of. Your heart's not fully in it because it's not where you want to be and you're focused on other stuff, but right. you got to get it done right. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got to do the stuff for the business. And then my kids need their bath and brush teeth and read stories and hang out with them and talk to them. And so. Uh, it was a tricky, ba- it's still a tricky balance, but you know, now at least with the ad network on top of it, we don't have to do the freelance gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of ironically, we just wrapped up a big project for Nickelodeon where they hired Battery Pop hey, to do the work. So it's full circle, right? Yeah, there. very much so. How, how does that feel? Uh, <laughs> it was a little bit like coming home, you know, trying to prove myself to daddy. Yeah. Um, because I wanted to do a really great job because these are people I used to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also just awesome. Because, you know, I was approaching it from a very different perspective, not as an employee, but somebody bringing kind of a diverse yeah, yeah. Um, perspective with the digital side of things to mm-hmm. it. So um, we had a lot of fun with it. It was a lot of work, maybe more work than I anticipated. Um, but it was great to be able to produce for a company that I'd worked for for so long at, at a kind of different level. And, you know, it was it was it was intimidating to go back. But, mm-hmm. you know, at least it was I was doing so as Battery Pop this time, not as Greg. Right. And before we go to musical break, I want to talk to you about something that I think is important that doesn't I get as much shine as it should in the entrepreneur space. Partnerships. Now, you have one person who moved on. You had another person who kind of cold called and transitioned mm-hmm. in and has helped them. The business of battery pop skyrocket. I've heard multiple times that, you know, a a bad business partner is similar to a bad marriage. You know what I mean? They can tank your business. They can help your business grow. Um, what is your perspective on that? And what are some of the, give us three tips that you say you should be looking out for when trying to find a great prospective uh, partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think partnerships are the lifeblood of entrepreneurship. I think going at it alone is, it's a very difficult approach. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I launched with my original partner, we both were coming at it from a creative perspective. In fact, mm-hmm. we thought we were going to make all the shows ourselves. We had a whole lineup of, of mm-hmm. Uh, we had an animated series, we had a puppet series, we had a live action series. We were all set to just be this production company and then host it all on our own website and the kids would come to us. Once we realized that model wouldn't work, in fact, we did a uh, cost-benefit analysis early on and we're like, all right, we need $800,000 to do this and we're going to make $5,000 as a result. We realized, okay, this is not the right business. <laughs> right, so right. there was a stretch of time where it was the two of us kind of staring at each other figuring, what, what the heck do we do next? Like, We don't have the other skills to push this forward. And there was a lot of tension. I mean, it was unpleasant where, you know, we really liked each other when we founded the company. We liked working together, but we got to the point where we're both kind of butting heads over what our next move is because we were both creative and we wanted to go in the creative area that we were individually comfortable with and we couldn't do both. Mm -hmm. So when John came along building the ad network and bringing the, the, the business side of things, that was the right partner. 
And, you know, unfortunately, Tasso and I couldn't stay both doing it. So he went back to freelancing. Um, fortunately, he's an amazing animator, so he got right back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but with John on board now, now we had me on the creative side, John on the business side, and that was a good fit. Look for someone that complements your skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily need to be working with your best friend unless you really have um, different approaches to business. Um, get ready to blow it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's okay to have the wrong partner. Uh, as long as when you first start it out, you have a discussion about, okay, if this doesn't work, if we get to this point, we're not going to get to that next point because the two of us can't do it together. You need to have a plan in place to amicably, amicably divorce, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and you have to trust that other person. I mean, my my current partner, John, is, you know, I talk to him more than I talk to my wife some days. I mean, he's really become family in the sense that we have to do everything together and we butt heads at times, but we also have a common goal. Uh, and so, you know, conflict is healthy, but we've gotten really good at understanding what we're both good at mm-hmm. and embracing that. So, um, you know, get ready to make mistakes. Um, look for somebody who doesn't do what you do and don't think you need to be in that super comfortable position because it's not necessarily about being comfortable. It's about finding the right person to fill the roles that you're not good at Mm. okay great well thank you so much for clarifying that and clearing that up for us we're going to cut to a musical break nice uh and we'll we'll come back but beautiful people if you have any questions for greg please write them on our facebook wall uh or call in talk to greg live 212-650-6903 Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are back with Mr. Greg Alkali. Greg, are you here with us? I am here. Cool, cool. So, Greg, when we left, uh, you were giving us a lot of insight on the power of partnerships um, and why, you know, they're so important and how to actually go about picking your partners. Um, piggybacking off of that and kind of moving into into a different area, you mm-hmm. talked about, you know, how when your new partner, John, had come on board, you guys were able to finally pay yourselves. How did you stay motivated during those times where you were just pumping out and doing all of the work, um, but not necessarily seeing the returns? You know, the, part of it was a belief that we were doing the right thing, that there was mm-hmm. an opportunity here and that we would eventually get to it. Um, you know, whether it was trial and error or just, you know, momentum, I did believe that we were going to get to a point where there was going to be a revenue stream, that there was going to be reach and scale, um, which we're still going after for sure. Um, I I knew that the kid space needed and continues to need safe, responsible digital programming. So I believe that there was that 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 opportunity was there. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, you know, it's it's scary to think, okay, yes, the the space needs it. Will I be the one to do that? Right. And I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure I was going to be the one. And again, I don't know if where we're going to be in a year from now, but, you know, we seem to be trending in the right direction. But Mm -hmm. I just had to keep believing that there was going to be a breakthrough somewhere. And the harder we worked at being in that position Mm -hmm. to be the one that broke through, the more likely we'd be able to enjoy the fruits of that labor. So, you know, it was part of it was I didn't know what I didn't know how to not do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I had had taken this leap. I had chosen this direction. And. I didn't know how to get out of it, so I was going to keep going. Yeah, Um, you know, it's like there's that scene in uh, Willy Wonka Mm -hmm. when he says, "You can't go back. You got to go forward to go back. You better press on." And that was my mentality. I just got to keep going forward. Eventually, Mm -hmm. we're going to figure something out because the time is right for this kind of a business, Mm -hmm. and I hope that I'm the one that gets us to the point where we get to be the beneficiaries of kids moving into digital, into brands moving into digital, and Mm -hmm. so we just kind of, I just kind of clung on for uh, dear life and you know, waited until it got good. And yeah, there, there was a couple of points where I figured, and I remember I was talking to my wife about this the other day and I said, you know, this is it, we're done. It's over. I better start, you know, reconnecting with everyone at Nickelodeon and hopefully they'll have me back because we're, we're, we're over. Um, but I just couldn't figure out how to fully get out of it. Mm-hmm. And then a few good things happened, a few more good things happened. And next thing you know, uh, there is a business. I mean, I, I'm distilling it down to something very simple. It's, it was never that simple. And, you know, mm-hmm. even it took John a while to build up uh, the ad network to the point where they, the agencies would say, oh, Battery Pop, yeah, let, let's hear what you have to say. Because at right. first he's going in with this completely unknown mm-hmm. entity and trying to get their attention and doing this whole song and dance. And they're like, well, that's great, but we don't know who you are. Right. Um, but, you know, you get a few small ones, you deliver, and then the bigger ones start coming in. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's... 
just for clarity, that that little conversation that you said that you had with your wife, mm-hmm. that was a conversation that happened a long time ago, or there's a conversation like last week where you thought you were going to have to shut your doors? Uh, no, definitely not last week. It's been over a year, I think, mm-hmm. a year since I've had that. Oh my God, we're we're done. But it happened more than once for sure. Right, and that that draws me to my next question, which is, you know, we talk about the success, you know, and, and the transparency of of the real challenges happens sometimes. What have been some of your biggest personal roadblocks and how have you moved past them, you know, in order to bring Battery Pop to where it is today mm-hmm. and, to, and to grow yourself? You know what I mean? Because as your company evolves, it's very important for you, especially in the CEO seat, to grow and be able to uh, to lead in a, in a new and effective way. Mm-hmm. Um, confidence was something that took a while to build up. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like to consider myself a somewhat confident person, but here I am running a business that no one's ever heard of mm-hmm. and no one seems to care about. And so every time I would go into a pitch or I would have the opportunity to speak in front of an audience, uh, you know, I felt like, why do they want to listen to me? I've got nothing interesting to say. I, I've, I've had no success. So overcoming that initial fear of feeling like kind of a poser mm-hmm. in the space, like I knew what I wanted to do and I could talk about that, but I didn't have the, the success stories to prove it out. So that was tough. Um, but, you know, you, you start to believe what you're saying and... Um, you see other people looking at you and realizing that they're not looking for you to be the savior or this Bill Gates. They want to understand what you're going through at that time. So that, mm-hmm. that helped me build that confidence. Um, focus is another very tricky thing. I mean, when you're running a small business, you've got a million things to deal with at once. Mm-hmm. And how do you pick that one thing that's more important today than, you know, than something else? Mm-hmm. Um, when you work at a company like Nickelodeon, if I need a pencil, I go to the cabinet, I get a pencil, I get back to work. If I need a pencil at Battery Pop, I had to go out, find a Staples, buy the thing at Staples, save the receipt, log the receipt. Right. Uh, You know, it's like every little thing becomes an ordeal, and I need that pencil. But I also got to write a pitch for this company, because if I don't get that deal done, then there is no Battery Pop. I don't need that pencil, but I need that pencil. So um, learning how to focus my energies on the right thing at the right time, Mm -hmm. scheduling myself, and I'm still not great at it. I still Mm -hmm. get very distracted. You know, there's... There's the low-hanging fruit, like we mentioned before, where you right. just kind of pick away at what you got to get done. Mm-hmm. And then, I forgot, it was something, maybe Mark Twain said, like, wake up and lick the frog. What's that really tough thing that you have to do mm-hmm. that you know is going to be draining, that you know you might get wrong, but you just have to do it because you can't move forward if you don't. And that was like, to him, that was licking a frog. It's disgusting. It's painful. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. But you got to get it out of the way. Right. And once you get into that thing that you know you have to get done that's more important, you get a little momentum there. Mm-hmm. You you pick up some steam and you get it done. You feel good about it when it's there. But then you still got to pick away at the at the pencil purchase. Right. So focus and confidence, I think, were two of the things that I really had to struggle to get into a good place on. And I'm still, you know, it, both things are still uh, something that I work on every day. Right. The work in progress. Um, so with that, like, what are some of your secrets to balancing? You know, you're a great brother, a great dad. It's still cool dad, to be exact. Uh, your husband. Uh, you're and you're entrepreneur, obviously, you know, and you talk to your business partner more than some days than your wife. How do you balance all of these things? What is give us a couple little secrets, you know, the secret sauce? Well, I work from home a couple days a week. Okay, uh, we have a co-working space in Midtown Manhattan, so I go in uh, where I have a few team members there, and then the other days I'll work from home. So, or do you have designated days that you go in and work, or does you kind of like it? Does it vary by week? Yeah, it'll vary. Um, it really just depends on what's going on, who's going to be coming through the office, if we need the conference room for a meeting. Um, but by working from home a couple other days a week, and you know, it's my own business. I can, mm-hmm. I can determine where I need to be when. So that allows me to kind of get things done uh, and find that work-life balance. Um, you know, when it comes to my kids, I, I sometimes feel like I'm not, I'm there Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when if I had a nine to five, I could just punch the clock and come home and be completely focused on them. I'm never completely out of the headspace of the business. Mm-hmm. So that becomes challenging. My kids want to play. They want this. I have to help with the bath, um, dinner time. Mm-hmm. But I'm very stressed out about something that happened during the day that has not been resolved yet. And I know that at some point I got to get back to my computer. Right. Um, I got to go screen something, whatever it is. If I don't do it tonight, it's going to be a problem tomorrow. So... I'm always, there, there is that kind of tug of war going on over where do I need to be. Um, there are days I'll just put my phone down, I'll slap the, the laptop closed and say, okay, hanging out with my kids, and that's that. Uh, but it's hard. I mean, there's, we're, we're too small for 
um, somebody to say, I'm not going to think about this right now. If you're not thinking about it, nobody is. Mm. So, and, but the same goes for parenting, where you're a business of two, right? I mean, you're, you're a, in our case, a husband and wife. And if I'm not doing it and my wife can't do it, then no one's doing it. And so it, it's stressful at times. And, you know, I, I don't know if I have the, 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 the solution. Um, I just do the best I can. You know, I make sure that I'm getting my work done. I'm making sure that if something is high priority that I'm not leaving to the last minute. There are nights that I'm up till 2, 3 in the morning just to make sure I get my work done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that my kid's going to climb into bed at 6 in the morning and kick me in the face, and I better be there for him. So, uh, you know, that it is a struggle. But, you know, it's the two things I've, I'm most passionate about in this world are my family and this business that I've started. So you, you, just, you make the time, and, you know, there are days when I'm like, I did not sleep enough last night, but I've just got to power through it and, you know, sleep when I'm dead, I guess. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, I want to switch modes a little bit and I want to actually find out, you know, some things more so around your goal setting. And also you are in SLP. I'm an SLP now. You're an alum, uh, which is how we had the opportunity to connect. How do you feel like accelerator programs have helped you uh, so far? You know what I mean? And becoming, you know, CEO of Battery Pop and moving yourself forward in both your company. So I can speak to SLP um, because I went through it and I found it to be an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I came out of 12 years of Nickelodeon, and mm-hmm. I had no business experience whatsoever. I had a very clearly defined role mm-hmm. at Nick, and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So when I was introduced to SLP and I got in, that became my business school. That became my every other week learning something about um, a startup, about entrepreneurship that I didn't know yesterday. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, networking with other like-minded entrepreneurs was incredible um, you know, we're all kind of diving into this unknown mm-hmm. and to have a support network of peers that are rooting for you uh, that don't care if you stumble. Um, that was amazing for me. And so I look at SLP as really the first step towards building what I've built uh, and understanding how to continue to do it. I mean, you're, you're still learning as you go at mm-hmm. the business, but it was nice to have certain things explained to me. It was nice to be able to turn to somebody uh, and say, I don't get that. I don't understand mm-hmm. what a term sheet is. I don't know how to deal with my taxes. Right. And have somebody there that's more than willing to help you out because there's going to be a time when you're going to flip it around and help them out. Yeah. Um, when it comes to accelerators and incubators, I have... The, people have had incredible experiences with them. Right. But there's also mythology because you've seen early on some of these big companies like Dropbox and I'm... Uh, I'm blanking on the other ones, but that that got started in those settings and took off and became huge. And in the startup space, we tend to overhype the success stories Mm -hmm. and everyone tries to run after that story and and run in that direction. And sometimes I think it's to the detriment of the startup. Getting into an incubator or an accelerator is not the end all be all. It just means you've got a place to work and a support network for that amount of time. You're going to make of it what you can. And there are... There's a cottage industry around startups that has kind of put the cult in, cult in culture where you have to be part of that. You got to do this one. You got to, you know, connect with this well-known advisor. And I don't necessarily believe that that's the only way to go. And I think they get overhyped. Mm-hmm. So I can't, you know, I, was, I didn't do Y Combinator. I didn't do 500 startups. Um, I've heard of people that have had great experiences. I've heard of people that went in and it was just something they did for a stretch of time. They gave up equity to do it and it didn't help them. So you got to, again, you choose your own path. If you get into one and the, the, the setting is, is beneficial to you, it's the right group of people, go for it. But you don't have to chase that when you could be chasing your own business goals on your own um, and not being sidetracked by what the incubators or accelerators are asking you to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think it's crucial, but again, the network component is helpful with SLP meeting other entrepreneurs that were just as scared as I was Mm -hmm. and am, um, I think was very helpful. Yeah. And I also, you know, chime in and say that meeting you helped me get grounded, you know, through some of the conversations that we've, uh, you know, had the opportunity to have, uh, your wisdom and your experience has definitely played a huge part in, you know, some of the pivots that I've taken with create your life and been able to, uh, to move. So I want to say thank you for that. No. And I, I thank you. I mean, one of the things I love about SLP is that, you are, you know, I, I did it five years ago. You're doing it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't make me the, the mentor and you the mentee. I, there's right. a, I'm learning from you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, just because of the year that you went through, it doesn't mean that you are a superior entrepreneur than someone who's just getting started. Right. And so, 
you know, I try to look at it as this kind of continuum where mm -hmm. I'm learning from every new cohort, and mm -hmm. then I'm also looking at previous cohorts and, and seeing what I can learn from them as well. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that being said, um, what are some of your goal setting methods and how do you measure or make sure that you're growing each year? Uh, you know, the, the first thing I, I'm just going to say it. I mean, we, we look at revenues and that's, mm -hmm. you know, we, we want to grow this business and it comes down to, are we making money? Mm -hmm. And I hate to be kind of so, you know, crass about it, but that, that's key. And so we do look at our year over year revenue stream and we're growing, which is nice. We brought on a new team member this year, so that's exciting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I hope to see this thing continue to grow. And I'd love Battery Pop to be a much bigger organization. Uh, I look at pictures of these startups that have, like, 50 people all in the same T-shirt and looking super happy. Yeah. Like, we're not really that close to that, but we're doing <laughs> good business. So, right. you know, from, from the business perspective, yes. I mean, it, it, revenues are unfortunately what allows us to do what we do mm -hmm. and not unfortunately I, I embrace that it's nice to mm -hmm. be able to pay yourself and hire new people and and grow the business um for personal growth um you know when i can i try to learn about new areas of the space i'm really interested in esports right now that's very exciting so i'm reading a lot about that mm -hmm. interacting with some pro gamers that's really cool um you know i'm trying to learn about blockchain and all this crypto stuff going on because i think there's applications in the kids space so I try to read as much as I can. I try to, you know, teach myself something new whenever there's an opportunity. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of just making sure that we're doing what we did last year. We're just doing a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, for me, growth is, is continuing to do what we do and seeing my kids grow up healthy and happy and, and, and loving and intelligent and seeing my business expand to the point where the things that I used to thought I was just saying, just to say it, I can start believing and, and it would be true. Okay. All right. So, Greg, thank you for that wonderful answer. But now it is time for the dolphin tank. Are you ready to jump in? Yeah, I like this. Dolphins are a little more docile than sharks, exactly. but uh, also more intelligent, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here you go. Rapid fire. Uh, what's the top tech that you're using right now to make your business run smoothly? Uh, Slack. Okay. It's good to communicate with everybody at once. Love it. Our favorite quote or model that you live by? Oh, lick the frog. Okay. You just got to wake up and do that thing that you are don't that you don't want to do. And if you get that done first, the rest of your day opens up. Mm, love it. Uh, favorite or most impactful book that you've read? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is still my number one all-time book that I go back to every once in a while. My daughter's in the play right now because it's all about imagination nice. and discovery and, and you know, acknowledging your fears mm -hmm. and so that's you know from a fiction standpoint that's it um i just picked up a book on ethereum but i haven't read it yet so that's not a fair one um oh man i it's rapid fire so i'm going to go on to the next question but I, okay. there are better answers than what i gave you okay three uh things that you would tell someone or three jewels you would give someone looking to create their best life um find somebody else who wants to go through it with you um get have a plan for success, but more importantly, have a plan for failure because unfortunately, more likely that's what's going to happen. So don't let that sneak up on you and sleep, get sleep when you can. Okay. We got a question actually from Facebook live. Cool. Uh, Jose uh, Z said, what was your most challenging moment and how did you deal with it? Um, most challenging moment was probably when my original founding partner and I decided to part ways mm -hmm. because we had really kind of taking a life step together mm -hmm. and we had committed to building something. And when it got to the point we realized we weren't going to be able to build it together, it was very difficult to split up and it was awkward and it was unpleasant. Mm -hmm. And I was concerned that the friendship would be destroyed as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these are human beings. These are right, friends. Right, right. You have relationships. Absolutely. And so that was, um, that was probably the most gut wrenching moment of this entire experience. Okay. And what was the key to actually making it through and making sure that you, you two were still friends? I mean, we, we had a really tough conversation at a bar in Queens mm -hmm. where we talked about, you know, all the issues that we were having. And I knew I had made a ton of mistakes and I acknowledged the mistakes, but it didn't change the fact that I'd made them. And so I had to basically say, look, one of us isn't going to be able to stay at this thing. And I'm kind of in a position where I can't leave. You have a, you have a, a skill that you could apply a immediately. Transferable skill. And so, um, you know, let's just make sure that 
we leave the door open mm-hmm. in case we want to bring this back together. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're such a good animator, I, you know, obviously if we have an opportunity, I'd love to bring you in on these kind of projects. Mm-hmm. And we just agreed to stay in touch and keep the lines of communication. Does open. he still have any type of ownership in the company? He has, yeah, he still has a piece. Okay. Um, because he was there when it started, and he right, really right. he committed a huge piece of his life to getting it off the ground. That's great. I, l- I like to, to hear that. So uh, what's next for you and how can we uh, keep in contact with you? So next, I, I mentioned eSports as mm-hmm. something that we're really excited about. We're going to mm-hmm. try to grow in that space. Uh, mm-hmm. eSports is competitive video gaming. Yeah. Blows my mind that, y- you know, it's become what it's become. It's a multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar industry right, right now. Um, so we're going to see what we can do over there because, again, there's not a lot of kids safe content coming out of the video gaming sector a lot of mm-hmm. these games are shoot 'em up uh, right, right, violent right. and so what can we do in kids so i'm really excited about that um and you know i'd like to see battery pop get into more original content mm-hmm. um you know deep down in my in my heart i'm a content creator yeah, yeah. and i'm jealous of the creators that we work with because they're doing what i wanted to do it's coming um, it's coming yeah I'd, l- I'd love to be able to you know create our own shows and see those grow as well uh, you know i'd love to be able to say that we discovered or created the next spongebob that we found the digital spongebob okay so that's big uh and then you know i just want to keep hanging out with my kids and then seeing them become amazing human beings okay so how do we stay in contact with you uh so uh there's you know there's battery pop social media on facebook uh twitter instagram uh, you can email us email us at friends at batterypop.com and generally that. i'm the one that checks that so you know you send an email there and i'll be the one reading it okay. uh you know if you have a show idea and you want to bounce it off of me i love giving feedback mm-hmm. uh if you have questions about how we're doing what we're doing you know i'll, I'll answer as best i can uh you know if you, if you want to criticize i'm, I'm all ears uh, you know i'm i'm always interested in hearing what people have to say about what we're doing and mm-hmm. what we could be doing yeah. and you know w- uh, every time I, I give a uh, talk to a room, I start out by a show of hands, who in this room has ever been a kid? Right. And, you know, slowly <laughs> everyone realizes, oh, yeah, that's me. And then yeah, I yeah. picked like the one burly guy. I'm like, no, you were born you were born a man. But everybody else. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, we were all kids at, at some point, yeah. And so everybody's got a, a take on this. Right. Okay. Well, uh, Greg, now it's time for the turnaround. Okay. And the Create Your Life series family, they know what that is. That means that you get to ask me uh at least three questions that you want to um, totally unscripted. I don't know what they're going to be, and you are now in control, so it's all yours. Okay, okay. I, I've heard this before, so I was I was prepared. Oh, um, all right. So first question. First question. Yeah. Um, tell me something from your childhood, from pop culture, that inspired you growing up. Could be a movie, a book. Oh wow! One thing in particular, James Bond. Okay. The reason being is he always says Bond, James Bond, right? And so I used to try that. I used to be like Brown, Kevin Brown. It's like, <laughs> nah, that doesn't really sound good. But I would oftentimes, well, I used to, I would often be called by my first and last name because mm-hmm. there were a lot of Kevins. But um, that actually helped me to kind of, um, you know, take pride in my name is that seeing the way that he, you know, carried himself. So I think that that was definitely something that was really cool. Yeah, I loved, I love, I still do love James Bond movies. Yeah. He was just so suave and he gets it done and he's... He always and knows. he's so unassuming. Yeah, you know, so a lot of guys like take him, uh, take him for granted, mm-hmm. and they don't even know who they're dealing with. Yeah. Here's a, here's a classic interview question: If you were a superhero, who would you be, and what would your power be? Oh man, see, <laughs> see, there's like this hey, this thing right now, right? Um, if I was a superhero, see, I like Wolverine because he can heal. My favorite X Men is Gambit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, nice. I like the Black Panther movie. Um, so I like the character. That's tough. So I, I probably have to be a, a mix up between all of those. I just really like Gambit because I just felt like he was um, mysterious, but kind of like smooth. Like what, was, he, what was the power again? Uh, Gambit, he could charge things up and throw the cards. Okay, right. Um, but he, but if he could heal like Wolverine, it would just make him so much better, right? Um, but I like Black Panther because he's the king, and so he's also overseeing and making sure that this entire country mm-hmm. and nation is uh, well taken care of. So I thought that that, that was really uh, cool. So. It'd have to be somewhere in between all three of those guys. Nice. Yeah. If only. Yeah. If only. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, again, you know, I, I try to think as far as you know, we're, we're dealing with kids here. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, children of the future. Gotcha. What have you, you know, this has been a kind of crazy couple of years for, for this country, for the world. Uh-huh. What have you seen in the last six months to a year that gives you hope, that inspires you, that, gi- that gives you hope for the future? Um, what have I seen? 
I've seen a lot of conversations open up and a lot of people, a lot of conversations happen that probably wouldn't. And I think that there's beauty in that. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities of what can happen in the future. I also sit back and I observe people a lot. And in that, I sometimes have the, the opportunity to be on the train and see kids interacting. And it's funny how the younger kids are all just like, hey, man, you know, it's just love. And so I just want to see more of that in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So th- th- that's kind of like what has me excited. I just see, you know, more uh, unity amongst people uh, in terms of common likes, you know what I mean? And, and things that they're interested in versus other things that could be uh, obstacles or unnecessary right mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, i'm blown away by how you can find a group of like-minded people these days in a way that you couldn't when we were growing up yeah um you know if you have a passion about something completely esoteric there's somebody right. else who likes that and you can get access to them on the other side of the world yeah. now whereas you know it was so local when we were younger whereas now you just have this international reach so even the way that um technology just uh connects us all i just think is so absolutely amazing yeah. so i'm very very excited um, about that, um, and how about yourself? You got any more questions? Or? Uh, yeah, just one more. Um, okay, what would you say to a ten-year-old Kevin? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm thinking back to being ten years old. Um, probably to keep dreaming and that everything is going to be all right. Mm-hmm. So just keep dreaming, keep working, can't be stopped everything's going to be all right. I think it's a great message for a startup too. I mean, you know, just keep going because you will figure it out. The, the business may not may not work, but you're going to figure it out. You'll figure out that it doesn't work and you'll go to something else. You're going to be okay. Yeah. But you just got to keep striving. Yeah. And, you know, keep hope. You know, it's just, you have to be optimistic about what the possibilities are. You have to be, you know, to an extent realistic. But the thing about reality to me is, is that I feel like you create it. You voice it. You know what I mean? You make it happen and so just be in alignment and stay focused and i think that you know what you want anything that you want in life you can have and i think it's just you know how much are you willing to sacrifice in order to have that thing right so uh yeah that's that's me cool (laughs) all right well greg man thank you so much for being here on the show today it's amazing that was fun thank you for having me it was really fun oh no uh most definitely well, beautiful people, it's been an amazing show. Uh, you know, we had Mr. Greg Alcala here. He uh, wrapped it up for us, did a great job in the turnaround as well as on the Dolphin Tank. And so, uh, you know, we'll see you soon. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Crée la tua vita. Create your life. On step your liver. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life.